What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed. That's Mike Luciano. Mike, I think the Jets are not a very good football team. What do you think? Well, I think you made some very salient points there, partner. Uh, I don't know. We'll get into this in the stream. I don't know why there's so much piss and vinegar being thrown around this fan base right now. This is a bad team with a bad quarterback that went into this game expecting to lose, and they did. Maybe they didn't lose in the way people expected or wanted, but that's far for the course at this point, man. Like, it, of all the games to get, like, this mad at, like, really this one, like, the Chargers game and the Raiders game, and even New England, like, that, that's worth screaming and yelling. Like, the Chargers game, I was furious. Are people that, not I, upset? Uh, like, genuinely, are people, like, I haven't even seen it. If you're in chat, let us know what you're feeling right now about this game. How upset are you? What is your upset level? Because I don't know. I feel like maybe it's my own bias getting in the way, but I feel like because I'm not personally that upset about this. So I haven't seen too much vitriol other than the usual, like everyone hates the coaching staff, all that stuff. And people are upset that the coaching staff's coming back and shit like this is still happening. I don't know. I feel like I haven't seen that much hatred, but maybe I'm seeing the wrong things. <laughs> well, let's just get all the housekeeping out of the way for us before we dive into this goddamn mother effing game. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are on all those sites, YouTube and TikTok, at the Jet Press or both. Make sure you give the stream a like. It really does help. A sub would really help. A nice review on Apple Podcasts, that would really help a lot too. So now that that's out of the way, let's just talk about this dumb, stupid game. That happened. Uh, you kind of knew early on that this was not going to be your typical Jets-Browns Thursday night game when David Njoku had 120 yards in the first quarter. By the way, this was maybe the worst game I've seen C.J. Mosley play in years. I mean, they were running right at him. Yep. But I feel like both teams I feel like both teams were playing on a slip and slide. It was just like complete wackiness. There were fumbles and pick sixes and should have been fumble sixes that were overturned. Like, it was just a weird 
kind of game, but you never just kind of like sat still and got into a flow. There was always something zany that happened. And, and that was my dream. That was my dream, Mike. That my that first like quarter and a half was like some of the most fun I've had watching this team in so long. It was just the wackiest shit. Looney Tunes fumbles, missed extra points, botched uh, or fumbled kickoffs. It was great. Pick sixes. I was having a blast. Then it kind of got a little not fun when Elijah Moore scores a touchdown. I'm like, all right, I didn't need to see that. And also, yeah, we hope Elijah Moore is okay. That injury he had, too. I agree. I mean, I agree. We make fun of Elijah Moore, but, like, that's football stuff, like actual stuff that was really scary. Oh, it's humanity. Like, at that, any time, I don't want anybody getting hurt. I don't want to see anybody getting hurt like that. Uh, so hopefully hopefully he's all right, hoping the best for him. But that, that first quarter and a half was hilarious and fun, and I had a good time. <laughs> I think the I think the reason there's so much anger being thrown around is because every a lot of the Robert Sala defenders, I think of which we kind of class ourselves if we're drawing battle lines here, like part of it is we could always lean back on well, the defense is great, and they just couldn't get an offense going. Well, this was the game. Now the defense is playing poorly. If you go to the second half against Washington and now this, that's although they played really good in the second half, you know, the Browns are up by a lot. They weren't kind of rolling with a full deck there. They looked like they were just kind of playing out the string a little bit. But I think now, because it's the, oh, now the defense is struggling. Now it can fully be fire Sala. Like, now everybody's going to be on our side, which is not really I'm, – I'm not there yet. And I think a lot of the, the solid defenders are not going to be there yet because the season was lost – practically the season was lost when Aaron Rodgers went down. And I think kind of officially, in my opinion, I think the Raiders game was kind of the, the end of the season quote-unquote, because then you're like, okay, there's no chance there's going to be a postseason thing here because because of the quarterback play. Like, we know we will want to relitigate whose fault that is, Solid Douglas, whatever, but that's when the season ended. Like, like th- at this point, you know it's over. Half the fan base wanted to lose for picks. Which, by the way, aren't you, shouldn't you guys be happy? Because last week we were doing the Commanders game. People were pissed saying they won. Now you're pissed that they lost? I'm happy. I'm not happy. Like, I'm never happy to see the Jets lose, but – I'm happy that they lost for draft position. I'm content about that. I I just thought it was weird, especially because like part of part of what's amazed me about the season is we keep on saying uh, how can this defense keep doing it week in and week out? Well, some <laughs> devil came to collect, man, because they all. I mean, Mosley terrible. DJ Reed as bad a game he's ever had as a Jet. Like, all right, yeah, are there things Salah could have done macro scale? Sure, even micro scale, sure, but like. Michael Carter had a ball hit him in his hands. Great corner, Michael Carter. Ball hit him right in his hands. Bounces to Elijah Moore. Is that, is that Salah? Salah's going to tell him to catch the ball better. <laughs> like, there's stuff in the game. Mekhi Becton. Oh, Mekhi Becton. Like, look, man. Like, for, forget he's that, – that take of yours, somebody's going to pay him. I mean, we've had takes age poorly on this show and others. In, in a day, see, I still believe it, though. Like, I still think there is a market – for bad left tackles who are young and have a high draft pedigree. I really think there's still a market for players like that. The biggest thing working against him genuinely isn't even his poor performance. It's his injury history. That's going to be more of a deterrent for teams, I think, than what what we've seen from him this year. But he was bad. We'll we'll get to a few comments here. Uh, Dan on, on Twitter, X, whatever, saying, how come earlier when I criticized Jets defense, you doubled down and said they were elite? This is still one of the best defenses in football. I still believe that. I wholeheartedly believe that. That being said, that first half that we just saw was probably the best de- or the worst defensive performance we've seen from this team 
maybe under Robert Sala at the very least, easily over the last two years. Last two very, years, because that remember that New England fifty four points, but again he had nothing the first. Yeah, year the, the, the personnel wasn't there. Now the personnel's there, and they were horrific in the first half. Uh, I think the weaknesses of the defense got really exposed, and a couple of guys who have been very good this year, like CJ Mosley, like DJ Reed, even Quincy Williams had it had that big gap on the the long David Ajoku catch. Uh, or Jerome Ford catch, which, by the way, Jerome Ford on my fantasy team, on my bench, that was fun. And, and uh, I mean, the Jerome Ford catch, too. Or, by the way, Flacco rolling out and throwing across his body. How about that? Joe Flacco. And then on top of that, they should have tackled him like three times. Oh, yeah. I mean, Joe, Joe Flacco was good. That said, I did say this on Twitter as well. The dude was playing super reckless. And I think I said that going – we were talking about this in, in on yesterday's show, Wednesday. We're saying now this Jets defense is designed to beat quarterbacks like Joe Flacco who take risks, who take chances. Well, Flacco did take those risks, and he did have those turnover-worthy plays. The Jets couldn't capitalize. They dropped two or three picks in this game. Flacco's numbers do not look nearly as good if the Jets capitalize on those picks. And so I think that also bogged down the defense. But absolutely, I mean, this was the worst defensive performance the Jets have had in a half under Robert Sala over the last two years at the very least. It's worse than Dallas earlier this year. C.J. Mosley, I just think for like two drives, completely was just an absolute liability, a complete liability. And I don't want to overreact too much to it because he has had a really good season. And, you know, he was second team all pro last year. And even if he shouldn't have been, he's been even better this year. Like he's been very good, but I don't know, man. Like, is there a world where safety isn't the only issue that the Jets need to address going into, into the offseason? Am I overreacting by saying maybe they need to shore up linebacker a little bit? I'm not saying Mosley and Quincy Williams aren't the starters, but am I overreacting by saying that, maybe having a third guy that you can count on more than Jamie and Sherwood because he just hasn't seen the field a lot. That's that's number three on the priority list. Uh, right, number yeah. two being like an Al Woodsy run stuffing tackle that's better than Al Woods because Al Woods just – the way they do their scheme, he had to pass rush it a lot and he just he offers nothing. So. He was an awful scheme fit. Yeah, so you need to find somebody who can stop the run within the confines of the scheme. I don't know who that is. That's why I'm not the GM, but that – and then number one being safety. Uh Lane Brandon, it feels like our defense got exposed there. Salah is a stone on the sidelines. Uh, Salah did allow his first 300-yard passer in 33 games. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. The, the, it was Tom Brady when Antonio Brown got half naked on the field and quit in the middle of the game. Yep. That was the last 300-yard passer. So all of 2022 and basically all of 2023 in a passing league where they have Josh Allen and Tua in their division, no 300-yard passers until – this game. And again, as we were saying, Flacco is just on an unprecedented heater. Dude. I mean, this is, it's preposterous. I believe, like, I, I sent this tweet uh, out recently. I don't know if I sent it to you, Justin, but uh, they were talking about all the quarterbacks that have thrown for like a certain amount of yards in a certain month because Flacco's just been on fire in December. Yep. Here are the quarterbacks in NFL history to throw for more than 1,600 yards and 13 touchdowns in any month. Jim Kelly in 91 when he went to the Super Bowl. Peyton in 2013 set the touchdown record. Peyton in 2014. Mahomes in October when, like, he was still new and he was, like, an alien and then what the hell is this guy? And then Flacco this month. That's and the level he is on. That doesn't make sense because the dude was signed a month ago off the street. No team even worked him out. No team gave him a call. He had to call the Jets, and the Jets said no. <laughs> Like it's this what he's doing is unprecedented. So shout out Joe Flacco. It's cool that he's doing this. It was another similar ridiculous stat that Rich Samini tweeted out. Joe Flacco is the first player in NFL history 
to have 250 passing yards and multiple passing touchdowns in each of his first five games with a franchise. He's doing that at 38 years old when he was signed off his couch a month ago. On a beat-up Browns team with no running back or line or starting running back. Truly ridiculous. So shout-out Joe Flacco for playing at the level he is at now. Good for him. Uh, obviously a really, really bad first half of the Jets. That doesn't excuse how bad that the defense played in the first half, but they did allow probably, what, like 20 total yards in the second half? So we saw what we expected to see. Honestly, the second half of this game was about what I ex- we both expected to see going into the game. It was 3-3. That was the score in the second half. Both teams kicked a field goal, and that's it. That's all that happened in the second half. Uh, that's kind of what we expected for the entire game. So whatever happened in that first half, that was – it was an anomaly. It was wild. It was ridiculous. I was having fun with some of it, uh, but it was just, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to shit on anyone for blaming the defense today. Like I, I hate hearing the whole oh, 85 bears defense. Like, all right, give it a, give it a rest. That's annoying. But to say the defense was bad today. Absolutely. Like they were awful for the first half. I completely agree. But I mean, can you, can you be unbelievable for, I mean, the Ravens did probably the best defense in the league this year outside of the Browns. They both had bad games for sure. Okay. Yeah, but, at the worst time possible, but I, I mean, but I will, I will, I will push. I, I, look, I, I still think the Jets have the, have a top five defense in the NFL. But I'll push back and say, doing this, you know, against a four string quarterback. I know Joe Flacco has been great, but a four string quarterback, an injury riddled offensive line, an offense that already had no Amari Cooper, and then lost Elijah Moore, no Nick Chubb. Like, this isn't exactly the the Miami Dolphins, the San Francisco 49ers offense. Like this Browns offense, while they've been productive with Flacco, was missing their top player, and has is. I had a lot of injuries this year, so I don't know. It was it was a bad half. It was a bad time to have that bad half, but they they bounced back in the second half. I've seen a lot of people too. Like this has to be brought up the whole Flacco and the Jets. The Jets didn't want to sign Joe Flacco. Like it it may, it may not sound like the worst move because no one thought Flacco was going to do this. But like you have to start discussing a little bit more. Like if if you just look at Flacco's stats with the Jets, nine starts, admittedly one and eight. But just imagine this year. If instead of all the the clown car of quarterbacks they've had, which actually I thought Simeon was okay today, all things Simeon considered, was Simeon was a backup caliber quarterback. He played like a this was his best game with the Jets. Not saying much, but he was fine. Let's just say Flacco plays like he had been playing with the Jets previously, and he completes fifty seven percent of his passes with fourteen touchdowns and six picks and a passer rating of eighty one point five. Like, how many more wins does this team have? I think definitely two. Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta ask that question. I know, and I just, I just don't know what Flacco does behind this offensive line. For as injury riddled as the Browns' offensive line is, they still have Joe Batonio playing. I believe Wyatt Teller is still healthy. They've lost both their tackles. They're 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 beat up at, at offensive tackle, but it's still a lot better than what we've seen from this Jets' offensive line. I mean, it's just, it's it's just better. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like Joe Flacco would get sacked six times in his in the first half of his first game with the Jets and then get hurt. Like I, like, I still feel that way as a pessimistic Jets fan. Also, I think the coaching staff has a large part to do with why Flacco is doing so well as well. I think Kevin Stefanski is is proved this year that like he was on the hot seat going into the year, uh, and he's proved that he's he's definitely. I mean, he's he's what is he, he's probably the front runner for coach of the year at this point. Uh, so I, I think that also makes a huge difference going from Kevin Stefanski and and that offensive coaching staff to. I, I, what I can only describe as the worst offensive coaching staff that I've seen at the NFL level, and I've seen Adam Gase not very long ago, uh, and and Dole Loggins as the offensive coordinator and potential play caller. The challenge flag guy. The challenge flag guy who got to call like a half a football and was pretty good at one point. Uh, and, and yeah, we never knew what his responsibility was. Could never really ask. You go, what do you care? Stop asking me. That was good. Good times. They should demote Nathaniel Hackett to the Dole Loggins role next year. 
that's what they should do. <laughs> Let's get to some comments. Uh, Gregory Freeman, Becton will be, I'm trying to catch up on some because we had a lot, very active chat. Thank you guys so Appreciate much for that. You. Becton will be moved to guard if he wants to stay in the NFL. Right. I mean, we relitigated that before and we really think that's feasible, but he is not a, I'm a left tackle. You're not an anything tackle in the league at this point. You can't I, play. I'd, I'd, like six. See, I'd like to see. I mean, we'll, we'll just reiterate the numbers here. He had three penalties tonight, so that brings his total penalties to 16 or sixteen penalties on the season. He's played 15 games. He has 16 penalties, okay. Okay. and I believe 12 sacks because he got a lot of sack tonight. I don't know the pressure numbers yet, but I assure you they're probably not good. Miles Garrett versus Mekhi Becton went exactly how we expected to. He will not be on the roster next year. I'd like to see him for his sake because I'm still rooting for him. I'd like to see him with a more competent offensive coaching staff with a much better offensive line coach and maybe some better play next to him. And maybe he could still be salvaged. I don't think it's going to be a guard. I think he could still have a future in the league if he stays healthy, but he he's been really bad this year. Now I do have to go after a trout take flight because he violated a jet press chat rule. Need a new coach and new OC bad. He did not follow the rule of please name an alternative. Yeah. Because you can't just say fire everybody with, with no better option. And what do you do? Hire a 37 year old coordinator. You know who else was a hot coordinator at one point? Robert Sala. So you're going to give him a playoff mandate in Aaron Rodgers? And Mike LaFleur. And Mike LaFleur was a hot coordinator too. Yep. I, I The other thing is also like we already know everyone's coming back. So I like, yeah. I don't even want to talk about fire Robert Sala because it doesn't matter. Like it's literally already confirmed that they will be back next year. None of that matters. Like, I'm not going to say fire saw, fire Hackett, whoever. They're back next year. Douglas is back next year. The only person will be like, oh, maybe Keith Carter's fired. Maybe Todd Downing, they move on from him. But I'm not even confident they make any changes. So I, if you want to say fire Keith Carter and bring back John Benton, I don't care. Whatever you want to do there. Like, like sure. But fire like, saw. It's with position coaches, too. Like, that's one thing where people just go, go find the best unit on a certain team and hire their coach. Like, that. that's not a – it's not a hiring process. Like to admit ignorance in that area is fine. You don't know exactly how much the offensive line coach of the Rams is doing on a day-to-day basis. It's fine to admit that. To act like the Jets are morons for not considering that guy, whoever it may be, that's a little – I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Uh, Chris Embry, of course it had to be Flacco to do it because we turned him down this year. He wanted to stuff it up solid and Joe D's rear ends. And I mean the, the Elijah Moore touchdown too, I mean – yeah, Flacco it's to Moore, just, that, that hurts. It's what you do. You, leave, I mean, Elijah Moore has been particularly good this year, but, I mean, that's what you do. You. The thing is, like, the revenge narrative is often an overused thing. Like any, And I, I'm guilty of this, too. I'll look at a former team and be, or I'll look at a team and be like, oh, they have this former player. Like, oh, they're playing the Texans? Neville Hewitt revenge game, whatever, right? Like stuff like that where it's like, what does Neville Hewitt have against the Jets? Joe Flacco and Elijah Moore both had, like, I guess, legitimate gripes with the Jets. Moore has, has been well-documented. Flacco – his agent contacted the Jets earlier this year. They said no. They said we're cool with Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, and Brett Rippon. Now Joe Flacco's leading the Browns to their second playoff appearance in 21 years or whatever and legitimately has them playing like a top three team in football right now. Nobody uh, wants to see the Browns. Nobody this defense? No way. So I, I think at least the revenge narrative here makes sense. Both, both players have legitimate gripes with their former team. Then we go to uh, Kev in chat. Flacco would have never thrown well with the Jets. Their O-line, a horrible play calling OC. I mean, Browns have a bad O-line too. Not as bad as the Jets. It's not. not as bad as the Jets. But with with a guy like him where he can't move, like any weakness on the offensive line gets okay. amplified. But he's just – he's veteran, wily, gutting out away. I mean, and he did that with the Jets too. I mean, he had a couple 
I think he had a game against New England. He had three touchdowns. Obviously, the comeback against Cleveland, 317, four touchdowns. Like, I, I know that he was a statue sometimes, but he had games where you're like, oh, finally, Mike LaFleur's offense can work with a quarterback, and you saw that. You hadn't really seen that with, with most of these other guys. Uh, Chiefs out west. Give Becton to Bill Callahan. He'll be a decent right tackle guaranteed. Oh, for sure. I mean, number one, because it's Bill Callahan, and Bill Callahan can make Justin a good left tackle in like a month of practice. So. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> he's Bill Callahan. It just it works. Callahan's he's like Dante Scarnecchio with the Patriots. Like those two were. He's, he's, he's the Browns. He's the Browns offensive line coach now, right? Isn't he Bill Prattel? That's exactly what, Yeah. There you go. Look, and, that, and you wonder why a Jets offensive line that has had just as many injuries as the Browns is so much worse than the Browns. I mean, yeah, the Browns still have like Joel Batonio and stuff, but coaching man like Keith Carter sucks he's awful he's been he's been uh trashed everywhere he's been by former players he's not respected around the league there's a difference right there and we've seen regression from Lakin Tomlinson and Mekhi Becton Lakin Tomlinson's allowed seven more pressures going into this week than any other guard in football Becton now leads all tackles in sacks and penalties allowed (laughs) could not have gone worse if he tried he could not have gone worse this year here's a comment I want to get your thoughts on because I actually disagree with this Okay. Pretty vehemently, and it it kind of feeds into why I'm getting frustrated with some of the anti-Sala, anti-Douglas stuff. Uh, Gregory Freeman, uh, like a respectable take. I just disagree with it. Robert Sala was immersed in talent. 49ers defense was not his baby. He babysat. John Lynch assembled this group. Well, two things. Number one, like a, as a defensive coordinator, you are in draft rooms. Like they do ask you your opinion on guys you want. So he did have a, a hold in uh, – sorry, a role rather, excuse me – in building that defense, number one. And number two, like, there's been tangible player impro- – we won't see it in the record this year, but individually, like, DJ Reed is playing the best football of his career. Sauce Gardner, I'm sure Robert Sala had a hand in that. He's had a hand certainly in Quincy Williams. I mean, that is as tangible a player development example. Guy got cut by Jacksonville, as you're going to see in this league. Like, he knows something about defensive football, and there's actual improvement. Like, these players didn't just fall out of the sky by accident. They weren't just allocated to the Jets in a dispersal draft. Like they had to have enough foresight and enough of a plan to get these guys improved to actually set this defense in motion, have it be as good. Yeah. So I, that I, like it's not like Robert Sala just is this dope who just, whoa, I don't know what I'm doing. And he lucked into guys. Like there's there's reason behind it. Now he has a lot of shortcomings, especially on the offensive side. Number one, he's not really well versed in it, and he picks bad guys to kind of delegate responsibility to those are perfectly fair criticisms but Robert Sala like he didn't build all of the defense but look at how many guys came there after he got hired as a defensive coordinator and look how many guys in the Jets defense have come after he wiped away all the McCagney and Gase guys and got better that's why I'm not ready to just blow everything up yeah I completely agree with that with that comment uh, not with you but I agree with what you're saying I disagree with the comment that you're reacting to uh Robert Sala you could have your thoughts on him as a head coach. You could have your thoughts on him as, you know, as as an overall coach. But as a as a defensive talent evaluator and a defensive, uh, I guess, in, in regard to talent progression and, and, and improvement, uh, there are a few guys that have a better track record in the NFL than Robert Sala, dating back to what he did in San Francisco and with the Jets. With the Niners, he transformed that defense. He got here. He arrived there. It was rough start to him. I, I, I was covering the San Francisco 49ers with fans at the time when they had Robert Sala. My first year covering covering the Niners, there was a lot of fire Robert Sala talk. It was fans didn't like him because the defense was still bad, but he got his guys in there. And most importantly, 
every player on that roster got better. There's a reason that the Niners hit on so many mid-round picks on defense in, in the time that Robert Sala was there. It's not because Fred Warner was drafted and immediately became the best linebacker in football. It's because Robert Sala helped develop him to become that player. Dre Greenlaw, Eric Armstead completely transformed his game under Robert Sala. DeForest Buckner got a lot better. Emmanuel Mosley, he was getting good production out. There's so many guys that came from that 49ers system who played under Robert Sala, who we saw a consistent and significant improvement from under Sala. And it's the same thing he's done with the Jets, going from Quincy Williams to DJ Reed who, to, to, I mean, there's, there's countless guys. John Franklin Myers was picked up off the scrap heap. Bryce Huff was an undrafted free agent. Like there's so many examples of players in this Jets defense who are, are significantly better off now than when they, when before Sala got there. Uh, and I think that's a testament to the development of this Jets defensive coaching staff led by Robert Sala. So you could have your thoughts on him as a head coach. You could have your thoughts on him as an overall coach. But for what he's done for the defensive side of the ball for both the Jets and the 49ers, it's not that he's just lucked into players. Like, it's not like Robert Sala lucked into Fred Warner. He helped develop Fred Warner. Fred so, Warner. So like, has, hasn't the anti-Sala thing always been, well, he's a defensive coordinator, not a head coach? Like, haven't people at least accepted he knows right. his defense? He's still one of the best defensive minds in football. He's crafted a defensive system that works, and he's one of the best defenses in the NFL, despite the fact that every week people seem to try and trash them. Uh, yes, I agree. This first half was the worst I've seen them play under Robert Sala over the last two years, for sure. But it's still one of the best defenses in football. It's still a defensive system that works and a scheme that works. I have few qualms with Robert Sala, the, the defensive play caller, the defensive mind. As a head coach, that's a broader discussion. But as a defensive mind, absolutely not. Two more comments I want to get to. Uh, Chiefs out west again. The new coaches on offense should be Brian Hartline at wide receivers, Mike Munchak at O-line, Ryan Grubb at OC. So in this group, you have two college offensive coordinators and a guy who's 63 years old and isn't a coach right now. Yeah, I was – yeah, I was – I was my – be my question. Where – wait, where is Ryan? Ryan Grubb is at Washington right now. He's okay. the OC. Okay. And Brian Hartline is the OC and wide receivers coach at Ohio State. Actually, I actually think he's like the highest paid assistant coach Maybe in the Big Ten, so I don't think he would leave that. Yeah, Hartline's got a really good gig. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's going to the NFL. Yeah, but but even all right, all right. Aaron Rodgers, we got a new OC for you. Who is it? Oh, it's a college offensive coordinator who's never been in the NFL. I, but also, again, they're not going to make the change. Like they're not right. Yeah, not, not going anywhere. So like, yeah. sure, maybe they they fire Zach Azani and they bring. But also, like, why would Brian Hartline, right? Who, like you said, is one of the highest paid assistants in college football, is a great gig at Ohio State. Why would any coach, any assistant coach, any well-respected assistant coach come to a coaching staff that is coaching for their lives, that has a playoff mandate next year, and will be fired if a team that has looked like shit for a lot of this season <laughs> doesn't make the playoffs next year? Why would any assistant coach sign up for that? No one's going to want to put their job on the line for that. Ben Johnson's going to have six guys, six teams fighting after him. He's going to want to be the coming to the Jets? No. Uh, Chris Embry, here's actually the thing, though. When will Harbaugh get a head coaching job again in the NFL? Jim Harbaugh, not yeah, yeah. John Harbaugh. He's the guy we need to back up the Brinks truck for. We need experience. Uh, I think I believe Rodgers does not like Harbaugh because he beat him a lot in the postseason. So I don't know if there's some sort of mutual respect thing there, but Rod, no matter what, he, let's just say they fire Salah. Fine, ding-dong, the witch is dead, Salah's out. You can't hire a head coach that like it's the unfortunate reality. But you know what? If Peyton Manning was the quarterback, if Tom Brady was the quarterback, you'd be in this situation. You can't have someone who like butts heads and kind of overshadows them a lot. And even at the end, they had Bruce Arians in Tampa. I got kind of weird at the end there. Like you have to get someone that is 
that not that Sal's just like subservient and he's like just totally docile, but I think that why he there's no thoughts of firing him is he has a good relationship with Aaron Rodgers for whatever that's worth. And then now you got to completely scorch that and hire a guy like like again Harbaugh I think would be a, in a vacuum and okay hire. I don't think he would ever leave Michigan at this point. But I like guess. I feel like Jets fan. It's that old Bill Burr bit where people are he always complain about like oh girls can't find somebody. He goes go down to Applebee's. Let me see if you can find that perfect guy. It's always like Jets have these checklists of a perfect coach that they want. It's like all right, go out there, see if he's out there. Perfect guy's not out there. But are, if the Steelers fire Mike Tomlin, which is probably not going to happen, then you then you change stuff. But if that doesn't happen, which I'm assuming. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It's not going to happen. That's different. And then uh, another one here. Real real quick, real quick on that. Like, realistically, again, the Jets aren't firing anybody this year. So Sal is back. If Harbaugh is even in the discussion for the Jets, it wouldn't be with this current regime. And it likely wouldn't be with Aaron Rodgers anyway. Because if Sal and Douglas are fired after next year, that means it didn't work out with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, whatever reason, whatever reason, it didn't work out with Aaron Rodgers. And I don't think whatever regime they're bringing in is going to have Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. So if that happens, all anything's on the table. Because if you're bringing in Harbaugh, that is you are you are basically saying this is his team now. It's kind of like what the Broncos did with Sean Payton. Because while you know, I'm sure he'll have a GM with him. Harbaugh is the guy. Like Harbaugh is that new regime. He is that system. You're bringing him in, and you're saying, all right, he, here are the keys, Jim Harbaugh. That's what you're doing. So if you do that, like I could see it. I could totally see Woody Johnson making that move. Now, obviously, Harbaugh has to wait a year for that to happen. Like he, the Jets aren't hiring him now. So if he goes back to the NFL this offseason, that's not going to happen. But if next year at this time we're sitting here and we're talking about the Jets getting a new coach and Rodgers is likely to be gone, I would not be surprised at all if Woody Johnson went after Jim Harbaugh. Also, really quick, uh, on a Sauce Gardner note, uh, Sauce Gardner was supposed to travel with Amari Cooper tonight. That was the plan. And then they found out last minute that he was not going to play. Uh, I don't believe Sauce Gardner allowed a catch regardless. Um, I don't, I don't believe he did. He's so freaking good. He's so freaking good. So good that all the aggregators stole my tweet about how good he was this week. And they all tweeted out at the same time. That was fun. Uh, but I think that's another week of him allowing two or fewer catches. I can't imagine he allowed more than two. I don't think he allowed any that I remember. Which is impressive considering the night they had throwing, uh, Brian and chat. I'm resigned to three more years of losing. I have no faith in Joe Douglas. And he's probably going to put this team into debt, trying to save himself. What? You know what? I'm losing faith in Douglas too. I'm with you there. But here's the question I always come back to whenever I have like doubts about kind of the direction of the Jets right now is 
in 2024 specifically, because we can talk about the future, but I think at this point, the future is now and we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. When you get Aaron Rodgers inherently, it's about next year, not two or three years down the road. Is the Jets' best chance to win next year with Aaron Rodgers a quarterback? I think it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So because of that, I feel like, so because of that, like, you got to see it through. Like, basically, I know he got hurt, and I know that getting hurt in another year and the O line, I know that brings a bunch of other questions that the Jets probably didn't think they'd have to answer right now. But you know what else would bring a lot more questions? Going, that didn't work. Move on. Right. And wasting all of the rookie contracts of these great young players you love so much. That's not great either. At least if you bring them back for one more year, even if it fails, then you know what? You can go, all right, that didn't work. We're going to get some new guys in here. We know the guys we're going to extend. So no matter what happens at quarterback, we have Sauce, we have Wilson, we have Hall. We got them all locked up, and then we just go from there. Like that, that to me sounds better than just blow it up again and then hire like Micah McDonald, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens. Like that, that doesn't sound like a concrete plan. It's one thing to have a concrete plan with a beginning, middle, and end and steps that fails as opposed to instead of just flying by the seat of your own wit and making things up as you go along. I'm not a fan of that because it feels like that's what the Jets were doing for a very long time. The plan has had a lot of roadblocks, but you at least need to see it get into motion first. Sorry, Kenny Yaboa just quote tweeted me. I'm sorry, that caught me off guard. Uh, oh, I, say. I have a feeling it's about me. I was I was joking when he missed the block before. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What did he, what did he say? Oh, y'all just keep talking on Twitter. Bro signaled that he wasn't taking it out. Uh, I was messing around. I didn't mean he was actually – he actually hated Izzy Abanacanda. I thought that was clear. Kenny, if you're Wait watching, a minute. Did he just call out Izzy Abanacanda too? He said, I handle my business play hard. A bro signal that he wasn't taking it out. That, yeah, I mean, that is what he's well, doing. He's saying it's a Canda's fault because he took that's, it out. That is what he's saying. He's saying it's a Canda's fault, yeah. Well, well that's lame, too. <laughs> well, maybe how, does that, I mean, how is that better? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't get involved when players quote tweet me. Yeah, Jordan White has done it a couple times. I'm sure he's going to find one of my tweets this week and do it, too. Um, but – what was I going to say? All right. I mean, with the Rogers thing, it, it has to be like this, this for a Bannican, for a poor Bannicanda. <laughs> he never gets put on kick returns. He does it once and he fumbled. Like I get that the season's over. They're experimenting with stuff. That's why sauce was going to shadow Murray Cooper just for experimenting and tendency breaking purposes. But oh, this poor guy, I can't see how he didn't understand. Like, okay. I don't know. Maybe I, I understand maybe being in a player in that situation. Like, I can't see how he didn't understand that it was, I was definitely being facetious. I was, I was joking. Uh, it was clearly not being serious that he was trying to not make the block, obviously. Anyway. Um, yeah. With the Rogers thing, like it has to be their best chance to win Rogers. They already signed up for it. They, they, there's nothing they could do at this point that would give them a better shot than to just run it back with Aaron Rodgers. Now you could say, oh, they can they can make a change to the office coaching staff. I would agree with that. They've already said they're not going to do it. But as far as getting a new coach, getting a new GM, I don't blame them for not firing Salah or Douglas because this is basically what they signed up for. Now, it's really hard to watch this team right now. It's hard to watch this team this season and look and say, man, I can envision them in the Super Bowl next year with Aaron Rodgers because I can't. I'm trying. I'm squinting really hard, and I still can't see it. Like they have I, to I get can't... through Baltimore, they have to get through Miami, they have to get through Kansas City. Get through Burrow will be back for Cincinnati. Yeah. I think Jacksonville will be healthier. 
this would have been the like this is the year. The AFC is super weak this year, due in large part to so many injuries to quarterbacks. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, of course, being the one that pretty much started that. Uh, but it's just it's really hard to see this as a Super Bowl caliber team. Like they have to make significant, significant changes this offseason. And I just don't think they're going to. Uh, that said, yeah, Rogers coming back is probably just still their best chance. Like what the Jets need to hope for is to see widespread offensive improvement just by Aaron Rodgers being back. You have to hope for a healthy offensive line that you've hopefully bolstered in the offseason with some some additions that because you're not going to be able to add three Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen in the offseason. So you got to hope that whatever moves you make, they turn out to be really good moves. You got to hope that mid level guard you signed turned out to be a really good addition and he plays the best football of his career. You got to hope that your receivers don't play like Alan Lazard and hopefully you get a diamond in the rough there or you go out and make a big addition for a Devontae Adams or a Mike Evans or whoever. You got to hope that those additions are enough. Like, I, I just, it's really hard to see this team in the Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers next season. But is it their best shot? Yeah, it probably is. Don't worry. Keith Carter's on the case. Uh, rare Robert Sala press conference win. I thought this was actually really funny. Uh, somebody asked him, this is, I don't know if this is a great question. They asked him uh, about how he doesn't really seem angry on the Jets' sidelines in these games. And he replies, you want me to throw a podium on the floor? See, that's I always hate that. I hate it so much when fans are like, oh, look at Salah. He's showing no emotion. Who gives a shit? Like, uh, who cares? I don't, if Salah's doing fucking cartwheels on the sideline, does that mean the Jets are going to have 13 penalties? No. And you know what? I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. Like, on Stacking the Box, the Monday show I do, I've made fun of Brian Dable countless times when things were going bad, and he's screaming and yelling at everybody. Because to me, like, I don't care how it goes. That, that just makes it seem like, you know, why did you mess up? Like, it seems like it's very directing the anger at, at somebody else. In, in my opinion, sometimes it's dumb. It's people would get this, do the same shit for Todd Bowles. And like, it's a meme. It's a meme that Todd Bowles like is just stoic on the sideline. And has the same reaction. If it seems winning by 30 or losing by 30, it's a meme, but that's all it is. It's not serious. I don't care that Todd Bowles is stoic on the sideline. You know who else is like that? Bill Belichick. He won six Super Bowls. Who cares? Like, all right, let's slow down on the Sala Belichick right. comparisons for a second. I'm sec, just saying it uh... does. You could be a super animated coach. You could be super quiet. As long as you're a good coach, it doesn't freaking matter. Like, <laughs> Two comments I want to get to, to a, a statement and a question. Because uh, I want to address this statement from a, from Chiefs out West. He says, this can be done in one offseason. It's not impossible. Like, You can probably get a couple impact players at positions of need in one offseason. That's not impossible. But I think what this season has shown is – now, I, I don't want to be too hard just because all of the depth at a lot of positions got hurt too, especially in the offensive line. I mean, even today, Billy Turner, not a guard, is playing guard because the starter and backup got hurt again. The, the starter and backup are two practice squad players who they poached off other teams. <laughs> right, but I think what this season has has shown is the issues are so widespread in certain areas. Like, if you were just going position by position, what's an area of need, like 1 through 22, there's probably not a lot, what, maybe like 3 or 4? maybe key areas where you really got to hone in and get guys, you know, O-line, wide receiver, safety, maybe a run-stuffing defensive line, a backup quarterback. Like the, there's a couple like main issues of need. The problem is they're so barren in terms of talent. Like outside of Garrett Wilson, can you find me a worse receiver room in the league? Can you find me a worse starting left side of the line that has played regularly and isn't beset by injuries? Like, like that's the that's the problem. Is it's not just finding a good left tackle and drafting a good wide receiver. It's you got to get multiple key players all at once because by next year everybody might be gone. 
So you don't have the luxury of a multi-year plan to improve things. It's got to be all or nothing in one offseason. I just don't think that's feasible right now, especially with kind of financially the constraints that are on the Jets. My devil's advocate optimism take to that, which I'm kind of flip-flopping now because I just said before it would be very hard, but the devil's advocate offensive or optimistic take would be, I think this Jets offense works when you feed Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. I don't really care. I mean, I, obviously I care, but I don't care who's at quarterback, offensive line, offensive coordinator, whatever. It works when you feed Brees Hall and you, and you feed Garrett Wilson. We've seen it this year. We saw it against the Texans. We saw it early on in this game, even though they have Trevor Simeon at quarterback, a terrible offensive line, bad offensive coaching staff. It works. Now insert Aaron Rodgers into there and hopefully a much better offensive line. Yeah, I think the Jets offense can be pretty decent next year if those things happen. It's not going to be easy. Like, it's not going to be easy to fix this team in one offseason. It's possible. There's a, there's a world where the Jets get to the Super Bowl next year. A lot would have to go right. It's really hard for me to envision it, but it can happen. You know, I'm not saying that they're doomed next season, but the optimism I had going into this year is not going to be the same optimism that I have, at least going into next year. It's definitely going to be very different. I I say that, and then every year, every year the Aaron Rodgers it, it'll it'll get me. Uh, I'll be I'll be like I'll be excited again for Aaron Rodgers. But overall, my my thoughts on the Jets will not be that they're serious Super Bowl contenders unless they make some really big additions this offseason, which they could. And the uh, the question, uh, Brandon R. If we have an opportunity to get a quarterback we like, if we are super high, do we pass that up and get no line? Uh, yes. No. Yes. They, no. They, no, well, they will. They will, though. They will get a quarterback instead of O-line, you're thinking? No, they will get an O-line in, instead of quarterback. Oh, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. You're right. Just yes. because, I mean, yes. they will think about how much is riding on this year and how valuable that pick is now, too, because you don't have a second-round pick because of the Rodgers deal. If, if they, you get, like, Jaden Daniels yeah. and he's got to sit for a year, like, think about how mad Will McDonald got got people. That's what I'm saying. Like, and number one, Will McDonald's actually looked okay. In when he's played, he's looked pretty good. It's just it's hard to really get, but he's looked pretty good. It's just he's got so many guys ahead of him. Think about how hot under the collar people got when that happened. Now imagine if they do it when they have a terrible offensive line and no number two wide receiver, and then they pick a guy who is definitely not going to play this year. Mm-hmm. Like, because that would also be admitting too. Well, Rodgers didn't work. Let's find our next guy. You you, you can't do that. If you want to get a guy in the fourth or fifth round. And then you have your quarterback room of Rodgers, veteran backup to be named later, and then day three guy, perfectly fine with that. You get a guy round one as a quarterback, I am – I wouldn't know what I would do. I, I would probably break stuff. <laughs> yeah, you cannot use your two top 15 picks that you have when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback to draft players who are not expected to play early on, who are not expected to contribute to the small Super Bowl window you have with Aaron Rodgers. It goes back to the issues that I had with the Will McDonald pick at the time. That's why I was not a fan. That's why I'm still not a fan, even though I think he might be a pretty good player. It'd be the same exact issues here. And maybe you do draft a Jaden Daniels, and maybe he can develop behind Rodgers for a year and be great. But you're already basically saying, well, we're not really probably going to win in this window. And that means you just like, I like not only that, the regime is never going to do that. Like they're trying, they know if they don't win in this window, they're gone anyway. So they have, that's what made the Will McDonald pick so confusing to me as well. It was, it almost showed complacency. It was like, oh, they really think like, they really think they're going to be here for the next, for the next three years. You guys got to win first. Like you're not get Robert Sala is not guaranteed to see out Will McDonald ever reaching the starting lineup. Like that's why that pick was like, it was wild. That was a wild pick at the time. So I don't know. I'm just, 
I would be stunned, absolutely stunned, and and upset, quite frankly, upset if the Jets drafted a quarterback in the first round. I, I don't, it's not happening. I think it's time to look forward to the finally, mercifully, the end of the year against the damn New England Patriots. A game that it look. This is just my opinion. You can think whatever you want about tanking, but like, to with how bad the vibes are right now, and how nothing's going right. To end, even with this little morsel of positivity, if you finally be the team that beats the Patriots and ends the losing streak, I don't care if it's Bailey Zappi in Week 18 when a bunch of teams are eliminated. Just to say that you're the team who did it, like I think that that'll at least end the year with some sort of positivity. Then it's a seven-win team, better than being a six-win team, and you ended the streak. I just... I. You need to win this, especially with how close they've come in the last couple of years. And then I'm going to keep our, uh, as Brian reminded us, we haven't mentioned a certain quarterback, so I'm not going to say him out loud. But a, a I guy who wears him earlier, I almost. But when we talk about the Bucks, I was almost, almost going to be like, "Hey, that was one of this player's best games." Yeah. So a quarterback who wears a number between one and three, uh, blew blew so many of those games. I'm like, if we just get one. I don't care if it's Bailey Zappi. I don't what imagine if that. Imagine this team being the team that ends Bill Belichick's Patriots career and breaks the streak. Imagine going into the offseason just with that little little like pep in your step. Mike, I don't want to be that guy. I oh, don't, don't you dare. Don't you? I don't even want to. I'm gonna cut this stream off if you can keep this up. I don't want to be that guy. Then but don't be it. I look, I deserve hate. Give me hate. But I don't, I'm not rooting for the Jets next week. I can't. Because listen, listen, if the draft didn't, if the Patriots did not have a chance at a top five pick, I wouldn't. If the Patriots win this week, maybe I'll be different. If the Patriots win this week, I might have a completely different mindset on this. But I mean, they only got the Bills. So as it stands right now, the Patriots still have a chance at a top three pick, and the, the Patriots have a chance at, at selecting one of the top three quarterbacks in this class. I will say right now on Tankathon, as we I've been going over this before, right now, Carolina going to Chicago. Yep. Wow, what a oh my god, Carolina. <laughs> Chicago is the number one pick. Yep. Uh Arizona number two. I feel like that's Marvin Harrison. Patriots are tied for three with a strength of schedule tiebreaker that is at point zero two or whatever it is. Against uh, the commanders. So if the commanders yeah. lose, I think if the commanders are at three, new ownership, new coach, I think they yeah, take quarterback. a quarterback. Correct. So the Patriots winning against the Bills, that likely solidifies that they don't get a top pick, like a top three pick. And if that happens, cool. Let the Jets win all for it. I'm happy. But, Mike, I don't want, because here's my fear, right? As great as it would be for the Jets to be the team that it sends Bill Belichick packing. I mean, he's already gone anyway. Belichick won't be back next year with the Patriots. As great as it would be for the Jets to finally break that streak and beat Belichick in his final game coaching in New England, I don't want that win to result in the Patriots landing Caleb Williams or Drake May and that quarterback now tormenting the Jets for the next 20 years. I don't want that. And because of that, because of that possibility, I cannot in good faith, in good conscience, root for the Jets this week. It's going to suck. Like, I don't want Bill Belichick to get the last laugh against the Jets, go out riding off into the sunset, having not lost to the Jets since 2015. I don't want that, Mike. Like, that's I'm not rooting for that. Well, I'm rooting for the future of the Patriots organization. I'm rooting for their downfall. I'm like, that's what I'm rooting for. I don't even care about the Jets pick. It's more about the Patriots not getting a top three pick. That's See, my the thing, though, too, is we, okay, the Williams or Drake May, like, 
not, like we use the term generation, like they're not generational prospects. Really, the only ones are, are like probably Andrew Luck was the only one, and like Trevor Lawrence, kind of. But like, like there's always going to be really good young quarterback prospect. Like if they get a guy this year, or they could get a guy two years from now who's just as good. Like, I, I don't want to just do this dance every year. Like I, I just want some catharsis. I want to feel good about something. I want to feel alive again. I don't. And I can't you. with a, I, another loss. I will not, and I never blame any fan for rooting for the Jets, but especially this week, I will not root for any fan, or I will not. I will not criticize any fan who is rooting for the Jets. I totally get it, and I'm not going to be out there on Twitter being like, "Woohoo, Bailey Zappi touchdown!" Like that. I'm not going to be doing that. But I'll be. I will because he was one of my draft crushes, so that'll help right. the, the draft scouting stock. Yeah. So. I mean, the Desmond Ritter one is, I don't think that one's working out, bud. So you need one. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be sitting there in the corner, curled up in a ball, being like, woohoo, woohoo, Demario Douglas, woohoo. <laughs> like, I'm not going to be outright about it, but I'm going to be like, not the worst thing that ever happened. So, I, but look, I hope I don't have to do it. If the Patriots beat the Bills this week, that's fine. I don't care. But that's, that's where my mind is at. I don't want to be that guy. I hate it, but that's where I'm at. Kevin chat, win a meaningless game or pick all easily tattoo. I thought Joe Douglas was so bad. It doesn't matter because he can't draft. But uh yeah, like also oh yeah, tank for a better pick. Like when the Jets tanked and got Zach Wilson, that worked. But uh, here's the thing: like I people like, I, I just that. don't like rooting for nebulous organizational change. Like, how many teams yeah. do that? It sucks. I don't want to root for it, but I my counter argument to it is yeah, you could find better players later in the draft, absolutely. But there is a much higher percentage that you're going to find a good player earlier in the draft. Like, it, yeah, if you get the ninth pick versus the sixth pick, that's not a guarantee by any means that the ninth pick is going to be better than the sixth pick. But I would venture to say that the sixth pick, there is a much higher hit rate with the sixth pick than the ninth pick or whatever. Uh, did we mention his name, Brian? So we mentioned I did. I did. I broke the screen. You mentioned it, Mike. How dare you? 48 minutes in. Oh, Kev, what have you done? How could you do this? Uh, um, we all, yeah, you know what? Fine. Now that the seal is broken, because Zach Wilson, he's messing up the Jets. <laughs> oh my goodness! So yeah. this game has broken our brains, and it's really late at night. Uh, I feel like we've kind of got everything we need to say about the Jets and the Browns, and the fact we were just witnessing an all-time crazy effort. Somebody's open downfield, and it worked like four times. Yeah, performance from Joe Flacco. Uh, I think it might be time to. To call time on this, uh, Justin, do you have any uh, final thoughts on the Browns or the Jets or football, life in general? I mean, I had fun. I, I, for the first, like, quarter half, show, you know that? I was <laughs> genuinely having a blast. I just, like, as soon as the Jets were eliminated from the playoffs this year, every game, I just wanted the stupidest shit to happen. And we got a lot of stupid shit tonight. So that was fun. Like, I genuinely had had a good time. I'm not Jermaine loving it. Johnson was playing the game of his life. I'm not loving that Kenny Yaboa apparently thinks that I, I think he hates his teammate. I, I, I'm not loving yeah, that. Apparently he hates his teammate because he called him out in the tweet. So oh, yeah, that, was, that was wild. I'm, I can't even respond. You, you, there's zero win. You can't win when you when a player responds to you on Twitter. You just can't, can't respond. So sure you can. Uh, if he followed me back on Twitter, I would have just DM'd him and been like, hey, bro, I don't, I didn't mean it. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, final thoughts. I had some fun tonight. Oh, then, oh, oh no. Fun. Uh, I looked at the replies for the Oboe tweet. Two of the four are supporting you. Really? Because the guy said you whiffed on the offense on the next block right after this, which, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to even shit on Kenny Oboe, whatever. Like, he's a. We like Kenny Oboe. I have nothing against Kenny Oboe. I have nothing against Kenny Oboe. I have nothing against any of these players, personally, obviously, uh, of course. Um, yeah, pick six. Brian said pick six for each team. 
It was really fun. We had some stupid shit, man. We had some stupid shit. Uh, Jake Asman looks miserable on the live right now. I look, I can't be miserable. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, I expected this. I, I, I'm, I don't know. I, the, I think I, that's I, the thing. If this team was even like eight and seven and this happened, I would have been, I would have bit through my microphone. Yeah. But I, like with what it is now, I reached a certain point this season that I stopped letting the Jets impact my mood moving forward. Cause I was just like, it's not worth it. Like early in the season, like, yeah, when Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles, I was pretty bummed for a long time. Like that sucked. I wasn't even bummed. I was just like, is this real life? Like I just kept sitting back. Like, I'm like, I'm like, what the, Well, at first I went into work mode and I was just like, I got to work. What do I have to do about this? But then after that, I was like, man, that sucks so much. <laughs> like this really sucks. Uh, but I, I people I, always joke and go, you know, oh, four plays of Aaron Rodgers. Well, actually, I was in the bathroom for the first two plays, so I missed it. So I only got to see two plays, and one of them he got a sack and hurt. And one of them he got hurt. So I got to see one play That's of brutal. non-hurt Rodgers. That's brutal. But eh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Final thoughts. This is our last stream of 2023. Uh, we yes. launched this podcast in January of this year. Uh, first stuff was oddly enough, about, it was about be careful about firing Michael Floor and who you might hire as your next coordinator. Wasn't that some no, foreshadowing? It was, it, was, it was us talking about how we didn't want the Jets to fire Michael Floor, and then it immediately got uh, not disproven, but it immediately just just aged poorly, as did a lot of our takes over the last twelve months on this show. But anybody who stuck around throughout that, whether you just joined to this, this is your first stream, or whether this is your whatever stream with us. Uh, we appreciate you so much, like genuinely so, so, so much. Uh, thank you all for helping us, helping us launch this podcast. Cause you really did. Uh, you know, we're not here without you guys. So greatly appreciate it. I hope everyone had an amazing holiday season. Uh, we got some really fun stuff. I don't know how much we can reveal coming up for next year, but there will be more guests, the jets for those who love those on, uh, on the, the YouTube shorts, they will be coming out. We already recorded a bunch of those. Uh, so those should be lining up soon. We have some plans for the offseason. Hopefully some more interviews coming your way. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a great year. Hopefully it's also a great year for the Jets because, man, we've seen we've seen too much misery from this team, man. We've seen way too much misery. And I just want to see wins. I want to see this fan base happy because it's it's very rare that we see everybody in this fan base happy. And I want to see that because like, we deserve it. Like, this fan base deserves it. I know we shit on the Jets. We shit on this team. We shit on the fan base. But, like, <laughs> name, name three fans or fan bases that have suffered more than the Jets fan base. Now that the Browns and Lions are good, right. I think we're at the top of the list. I think they are. This team is due. I've said it before. This is the only fan-sided site that has never covered a playoff game. That's ridiculous. That's insane. That needs to change in 2024. So here's to a better 2024 for the Jets. Here's to, to more success on the Jet Press podcast, more fun. Uh, and we appreciate all of you guys. So th those are my final thoughts. I, I'm going to agree more. We are, we are nothing without you guys. We are kind of overwhelmed, I think, by the response to some of this stuff. Like we just couldn't believe kind of the, the reception we've got and how many guys have stuck around and just two guys talking about the Jets. Like we really are so appreciative, so grateful, so so thrilled that we could be the guys that can help take you through another wild and wacky Jets season. And there's we're not going anywhere. There's going to be more to come. So – Thank you guys so much for however you show support, whether it's subscribing, whether it's liking the streams, maybe it's downloading the podcast and you listen when you're driving home from work, whatever it is, we are very thankful. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast, we are there. 
YouTube at the Jeff Press. Like the stream, subscribe. You guys know all that stuff. Justin, we will be back in week 18 for the Patriots game, but this is our last stream of the calendar year, so take us home. For the last time in the year 2023, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jeff Press at the Jeff Press. Download Jeff Press Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time and live immediately following every single Jets game. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We will literally see you guys next year. See you guys in 2024. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.